Ladies and gentlemen, happy Monday. Welcome to episode six. Life in Commune. Uh, Life in Commune. I feel like you need to kick off the next one. I feel like I'm ball hogging the beginning. That's okay. I can let you have it. You have more of a like entertainer voice than I do. Really? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls. See, that's what I mean. I don't really... Da, 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 da. Yeah. If you were to kick it off, what would it sound like? I don't know. <laughs> See? That's not, it's not my forte. Fair play. All right, you guys. Today, we're going to talk about yoga. Mm-hmm. A big passion of ours. Hopefully a big passion of yours. And yoga practices specifically. And one of the things that uh, is really important to us, which is the yoga that works, is the yoga that works for you. Especially in a world where yoga has become much more mainstream than it ever used to be. Mm-hmm. And your options from practice are options for practice are far more diverse. Far more diverse than ever. For better or worse. Yeah. I mean there no, are a far lot more of more diverse. There are a lot of yoga practices that we all are exposed to, whether they're a little bit out there, you know, like all the yoga crossovers. Goat yoga. Goat yoga. Yoga and boxing, booty yoga, uh, hit yoga, hit yoga. I mean, there's endless amounts of those, and I'm not. I'm going to reserve my commentary for some of those for you know a private conversation. <laughs> but there's a lot. All of you need options. to say is it's just not your vibe, without making it more than it needs to be. This it's is not, not your vibe. vibe. It's, it's not, your not vibe. my vibe. It's not your vibe. I don't need. I don't see the need for crossover. But there are a lot of practices that are much more accessible to mainstream audience, whether it is via online content or your local studio or community center or church group or anything like that. There is much more yoga aplenty for everyone, which Which is, is great. in our opinion, a good thing all around. Before we dive into this conversation, though, the shameless plug in the beginning. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast. Mm -hmm. We are broadcasting to you every Monday and Thursday. Mm -hmm. Additionally... Seeing, as, seeing that it is Monday, there is a new YouTube class live. It went live this morning. Yes. So, Patrick leads you through YouTube class. is back. It's back. And YouTube is back, baby. YouTube is back. Podcast is back. We're rolling. We back. We back. We're <laughs> back. So, um, you know, check out the YouTube channel. Just all you have to search is Patrick Beach or Patrick and Carling, youtube.com backslash Patrick. Beach, beach yoga, in fact, it is. Yes, it's beach yoga. That is the uh, the official name of the channel. And uh, again, as far as this podcast goes, please subscribe and hit us with a five star rating. We always greatly, greatly appreciate it um, because it you know helps us grow the podcast, helps us know we are creating stuff that you all want to hear. All, yeah, you know, like our perspective on what you want to hear, mm-hmm. essentially. So we're we're tapping into stuff that you Resonates. guys are interested in, and and we're talking about things that really help you, you know, grow help you flourish in your human experience because that is our goal with this podcast and i think when it comes to even just sharing this idea about more yoga the podcast and youtube are such interesting avenues into it because you can really find yoga in so many different places now it used to be a practice that was hard to find that it was kind of niche even, and off off the radar and it even was a, 10 years ago that's what i mean i mean even 10 or 15 years ago it was not so readily available now you can practice yoga via apps like I YouTube, think everything. I, yeah, I think when we started practicing, like together, not mm-hmm. before, because we were practicing yeah. before alone. I, you know, like alone. alone. <laughs> alone. Like that sounds so much dramatic. more dramatic, <laughs> right? But, but I think there was, you know, when we first started practicing together, I think there was like two studios mm-hmm. in range of where we were, and then there was like a third one downtown Seattle. You yeah, know there I mean? wasn't much. I mean, there were studios, but it wasn't this in-your-face here is yoga yeah 
come and practice kind of thing. We just practiced at the one that was close to our apartment because that's all we knew. Yeah, because it was the one close to our apartment. Mm -hmm. That's why we went there. Mm -hmm. We hit it up. We sweated it out. Yes. We did the yoga. We did. It was a Baptiste studio. It was a Baptiste studio. And that quickly became our yoga home because we could walk there. For yeah. like literally no other reason that we could just walk there and it was convenient. I think I went 120 some days in a row. We did. We did I a, feel like I set the record. We did a 50-day challenge starting around the summertime, I remember. We did 50 days in a row and then you decided to stick with it. I went hard I on took that a challenge. Day. I took a day off. I, I said I had a great run, no days off. That was my <laughs> game plan then. Um, yeah, but that was like one of our first forays into like public practice. We're getting... Um, not I mean, to not to get into our previous. I was public practicing, but just in a in a Bikram way. You were you you were Bikram like totally counts totally yeah, counts. Certainly. And I was doing a ton of home practice, mm-hmm. like a ton, a ton, a ton. Like that was like my game. That was my practice. Again, not to get into it too much, but my practice was very much a home experience. Like mm-hmm. I did uh, handstands, hip openers, and uh, darkroom seated meditation, <laughs> where I would. Uh, Take a, I took a chair and I put it into a closet and just closed the door and would just sit in there. That was like so my yoga when we practice. said before we started practicing together we were practicing alone. You truly were practicing. I was. Your boy was. <laughs> we weren't was exaggerating on the. I was. I was not. I was going to to Bikram with friends. Um, well, I told you this though. The but, first no, time I, I, know, I ever went to a Bikram class. Uh, the dude in front of me, his nuts fell out of his shorts, and I was 18 at the time, and I just could not stop laughing. I got kicked out of class. Like, and that was the last Bikram <laughs> class you ever went to. That's not true, actually. I've been to Bikram since yeah, then. Yeah, no, we've taken Sabine. In, I've taken Sabine, in who's Vienna. such a sweet The soul. last Bikram class that Patrick that took was all in German. Yeah, it was. Which, dope. if you think Bikram is authoritative in English, <laughs> take a class in German, and you will never... Release oh the God. pose before it's time. <laughs> Our friend Sabine, who's a Bikram teacher out in um, out in Vienna, and she actually just recently sold her studio. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what she's doing now, but um, she is such a sweet, sweet lady. Like one of the nicest the people best. I've ever met. So nice. But when she teaches Bikram, it's like, I was like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm waiting for change. I'm waiting for the yeah. clap so I know that it's time to release. But yeah. Not breaking eye contact, no. not taking a sip of water a, before I'm told, uh-uh. nothing. I'm not skipping no poses I was in, <laughs> in a German Bikram class. I was in the zone. And then we took that class like late at night and we had to d- order like takeout Indian food. Because there was nothing left. Because there was there. nothing left. And we were depleted. It was actually pretty good. And we were depleted. Yeah. And we were yes. drinking so much water. I mean, all of this really to say that one thing that, I mean, there's a lot of things that are great about more, more yoga being available to everyone. But the, there are so many different avenues and forays into this practice now that I think both of our belief strongly is that yoga can change your life, but you have to just find the right kind of yoga. 100%. Again, and, hence why the title of this yes. podcast, the yoga that works is the yoga that works for you. Like we have been harping on this, I think since the beginning of our experience as teachers, mm-hmm. you know, like, like really, like a really... I am of the of the nature of person. Like, if you love my class or don't love my class, cool. But if you don't, tell me why, and I can try and recommend you to somebody that you will yeah, enjoy. Like, it's I'm, not about I am changing my that, teaching for you. I am on that bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I am a hundred percent. Like, mm-hmm. I I think I recommend people all the time to different teachers because. Well, I think the whole point is I, that it's really believing yoga. There's a teacher for everyone, 100%. and there's a style for everyone. But not every style and every teacher is for everyone. Yes, it's like a. A rectangle is always a square, but a square is not always a rectangle. Is that it? Feels good. You know what I'm saying. I do know what you're saying. Yes. 
I hope you guys do as well. But yes. I, I'm on board with that logic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, truly, there are so many different opportunities. And one of the beauties of the diversity and of everyone not teaching the same is that means that if something doesn't resonate or work for you, then there will be something else that does. But it might just take more exploration to find it. Uh-huh. And, and again, you guys, when it comes to your yoga practice, aligning your intention with your action is like phase one step one the only way to be successful is to align your intention with your action Mm -hmm. because a yoga class experience is an hour long at minimum i would say Mm -hmm. like in terms of a public class yes and in terms of an online class i think they're the average is probably around 30 minutes okay so the 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 average american works out less than three times a week for 20 minutes Per session okay yes. so we're already saying that it's longer than an average than your, expectation than your of average movement. expectation of movement okay yes. and I hope that you all are moving more than that and if not start today like seriously <laughs> you guys like start today I don't care if it's walking I don't care if it's yoga running cycling uh, jumping around jumping your around room. your living room you know doing uh, bench press with your child Ooh, on top playing of you. Wii tennis playing Wii tennis although you may get tennis elbow my grandma yeah. got tennis elbow doing that we we something yeah just just moving you guys like we're such proponents of movement um, and and experiencing life so you know when it comes to your yoga practice though is it's a process mm-hmm. right if there's a process to the practice and you get the benefit by immersing yourself in the process you're not going to get the benefit going once a month you're not going to get the benefit really even going once a week. Mm-hmm. Like you have to create a process that you are a part of. And that could be going to a public class. It could be doing a series of online videos. It could be anything. It could be a, a private postural session. sequence out of a book. Yeah. But exactly. It is, it is a breathing about practice. A breathing practice. It's about immersing yourself because it is easy with anything, especially if it's new for you, when you're trying to figure out do I like yoga? Is it something I do? Is it something I want to do? Just going to one thing and saying, mm, I don't think I like yoga mm-hmm. isn't enough information. Yeah. Because saying I did yoga is like saying I did sport. Yes. It could mean well, a, a plethora of things. Well, what, yeah, you, what one? Yeah. Like, oh, you didn't like hockey? Well, you can't skate. Yeah. Nor do you like being cold. Yeah. Like, oh, you didn't like swimming? Yeah. Okay, well, maybe you like basketball. Yes. You didn't like, you know, there's just... It's, it's that diverse, you mm-hmm. guys, is what we're saying. It really, really is. Like, I know you may feel where you live, there's limited options. Trust me, you're just not exploring enough. Like, yeah, like, especially like, now. I've, I've 15 everywhere. years ago, it, yeah. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, absolutely. What's available to you is at the mercy of what books are at your bookstore, what teachers are in your town. Mm-hmm. But now you can find nearly anything for free on the internet or yes. in a book via Amazon or online class. Via it, YouTube, via mm-hmm. Allo Moves, via Yoga Glow, the other anything. People. Yes, the other the people. other people. The, the, the other people. The other brands. <laughs> stick, stick with the Allo Moves. Yes. Take um, our classes. Or, Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> or even just most towns tend to have more than one studio these days. Yeah, there's there and more than one teacher as yes. well because again, the information delivered by a different teacher is their own interpretation mm-hmm. of the practice. And one teacher's 
journey may resonate with you more than another. One teacher's um, delivery may uh, really excite you, while another teacher's delivery annoys the shit out of you. Like, <laughs> like honestly, this is these are just facts. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I really we like Carlene just said a few moments ago. We really believe there's a teacher and a practice style for everybody, but you need to actually immerse yourself in the practice to get to the root of what you like or don't like about what you're putting your time into. Yes, and to just be clear that this practice is different than other things. So if you're coming to yoga for purely a, mer- a movement purpose, mm-hmm. as opposed to a spiritual purpose, things like even just on the baseline physical asana side, it's going to be different than other, let's call it movement exercise you've done before. If you are used to going to CrossFit and then you come to yoga, you go to one class and you think, ah, uh, that was a that was boring and slow. Yeah. Well, of course it was boring and slow compared to AMRAP workouts at CrossFit. It's a different as thing. As many reps as, as possible. possible. Look at you go. Look at you go. Never been to a CrossFit workout in your life and you got it like it was nothing. That was pretty good. The only reason I know that is because um, when I was just in Missouri teaching at um, Sumitat Yoga in Springfield, uh, we went to a CrossFit workout before. This is the first one I've ever done. Before. You did? I yeah, didn't yeah, know yeah. that. Yeah. It was um, a memorial workout for one of my friends' friends. Oh. So we like went in celebration of that. And wow. I was, yeah, I was hanging. There was handstand walks in it, so I was good at that part. And there were other parts that I was like, I don't know, not doing very not so well. Much. But I smoked people on the run. That's, well, yeah, you do have that smoked. as a natural challenge. But it's going to be a different thing. So the expectations have to change because it's a different discipline. Yes. So coming to yoga and saying it was slow, it was this. Well, depending on the style you went to, that's absolutely the point. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be like that. I think it's why people sometimes get drawn when they come purely for the physical aspect to a really fast, sweaty, hot vinyasa because it gives you that same sense of endorphin and adrenaline rush that you get in a more intense workout. So it's natural, but just being honest about what kind of yoga that you're trying and going to and what are you looking to get out of it? Because if you don't know what you're looking for, then it's really hard to align that intention with the action. Because how do I know what type of yoga might resonate with me if I'm not sure what I'm looking for out of it? or if I haven't given what I've tried a solid chance. I completely agree. I think that especially really like looking, are you looking, especially checking in to see, are you interested in yoga being your main form of exercise Mm -hmm. and movement? Is yoga supplementing your other activities? Is yoga part of your recovery self-care plan? Yeah. Is yoga part of your spiritual journey? Is it all of the above? And trying to find something that fits because we are not here to ever say that there is a wrong reason to come to yoga because I don't believe in that. Even though people in the West might use yoga for a different thing than was originally intended or vice versa, it's not really up to me It's to evolved say. into what it is now. It is what it is at this point. And mm-hmm. our options are what we have right now. So we are lucky that we get to choose from those things. And that means that we should, though, at the same time, be clear about why we are practicing. Yeah. And not be mistaken thinking that just because I go to a sweaty, fast vinyasa class that has no spiritual component, that it's the same thing as a practice that is highly spiritual and very, very little about the physical. They're in the same world, but it's not the same thing, so there's going to be different outcomes. Yeah. I just remember, like, was it probably nine years ago when uh, you branched out of Bikram, mm-hmm. started doing the, the vinyasa, mm-hmm. And then your stepmom wanted to do the kundalini. Yes. 
and the kundalini. the kundalini journey and you went to class with her in your in your hot hot colored spandex i was in my my i was <laughs> you know and i my stepmom at that time I, i'm pretty sure she was also teaching kundalini yoga and she was in town and i went to class with her having no awareness of what kundalini was no. like a decade ago of knowing nothing it's knowing nine really, years ago when you say yeah knowing only bikram and vinyasa yeah it's all i knew and so i remember walking into this class um at a church in downtown seattle and seeing a room full of sheepskin rugs no mats out and everyone's dressed in white and there's the giant gong up on stage and here i am in like my lululemons thinking i need a, a sweat towel and just so wholly unprepared. And your sticky mat. And my sticky mat. Because like, you're going to do some down dogs. It's like, I'm going to leave this at the door because I look like an idiot. <laughs> like, I remember being blown away and it really did kind of crack my world open of, oh, these things that I think are just yoga, like Bikram, Baptiste, Vinyasa, all I'd been exposed to were such nothing in the vast see of just, how much yoga you, there You were just was. on one slice of the pizza. Yeah, I had no idea the tip of the iceberg. And it was it was a... I don't like tip of the be- iceberg because it makes it seem like that is somehow, like Bikram or Vinyasa is somehow less. Oh, I don't so, mean like, less, and I no, just no, mean a small the, slice of the pie. That's why, that's why I yeah. said slice of the pizza. Because yeah. I, th- I think, again, I, I honestly believe that all the practices have equal value. That's just something that yeah. I believe personally. You could believe that or not, but I, I really believe that. I just the value is... The value is in the user's experience with it and what the user is interested in getting out of it. Like oh. you, you, the user being the student. Yes. Well, there is some, I mean, also the placebo effect is equally as powerful as the actual effect in some instances. Mm-hmm. So if something resonates and really aligns with you, then it is going to have more power than something that doesn't. Yeah. How was that first colony? Do you remember? I do remember. I just remember being, I had never really done any chanting. Yeah. Because there's not, it's not like Ashtanga even where you start with that oh, opening that's, chant. Oh, that's back when you were against those kind of things. Yeah, I really was uncomfortable with chanting and I I had a hard time um, digesting the idea of a bunch of white people in a room. That liberal arts education. Playing, well, it just felt like everyone was playing Hindu and it, it's, it's confusing to me. Mm-hmm. And since then I have evolved and I see more, and I don't want to say evolved in a good way that I don't think that anymore, but I see more pure intentions in things, although intention doesn't always equal outcome. Um, But I see why people get immersed in that side of the practice and the power that mantra holds. I just still struggle with walking into a room where it's all white people who have not much um, depth in such a vast lineage chanting and using it for their own personal gains is how it feels you know thinking that oh well this raises my vibration this makes me feel good i'm not sure i see that as the right reason to dive into mantra in that way when that's not originally what it was about yeah and i struggle with that so that was my struggle with kundalini and almost every kundalini class i've been to even though i actually quite like the practice of kundalini many classes i've been to are predominantly white but feel overly spiritual which is a conflicting message to me when i see how that works in the real world which is a perfect segue into exactly what we've been talking about because that's why you would struggle to be a consistent kundalini practitioner yes in modern society in where we live Mm -hmm. right whereas somebody who doesn't feel that way but enjoys the practice yes may uh, be 
may allow themselves to immerse, be more immersed in the experience. Yes, whereas I can always always only get one one foot foot into it. I like the pranayama practice. I like the energetic outcome. I kind of need that upregulation sometimes that you get from the pranayama and from the intense kriya, but I just can't quite get there and it just feels dicey and I get uncomfortable with it. And so I just, I don't know, I'm resistant to it. Yeah, I'm resistant to the full to the full fledged, and that, that's what I think is so interesting, you guys. And and from my personal experience, like um, as well, another practice that I have resistance to is Ashtanga, mm-hmm. right? And it's not because I think Ashtanga is a bad practice for some people. I just had a very hard time doing the practice physically. It didn't work for you. It did not work for me. Like I I remember, and you could probably remember this too. But when I was doing Ashtanga, like whatever six days a week for five yeah. or six months up early up early which was horrible for your boy but for it a was, minute you were excited about it you I were ready so to go I was enjoying it I was enjoying doing it and I, I couldn't walk yes you were enjoying you know what's funny is you were mentally gung-ho yeah. but physically broken down yeah I could not walk like yes. my knees you were toast were, oh my gosh and people were like oh like it's about to Get this is where you break through. It's like no, it was not. Mm-hmm. It was it was not about to get better. It was on. We were on the way to surgery. It was like the one time I used my health insurance for good, yeah, and the yeah. one time I had health insurance yes. as well. Um, yeah, because you were still working at the time, so yeah, I had so you had insurance. it through me. <laughs> yeah, so I actually went and got my my knees checked on, and there was um, some damage there. Well, it just was also what's interesting to me. Sorry, I know I just said this, but was reflecting on the um, cognitive dissonance between your mental outlook on this practice, mm-hmm. like getting this feedback loop of, I feel good, I am dedicated, I show up to something, this is part of my life, I go to my mm-hmm. store in the mornings, I am doing this, was in such direct conflict to truly the effect it was having on your body. Mm-hmm. But you, it took not that long for you to see, because many practitioners, it takes years and years and years or an injury to see it. But there was a moment or a couple, there was a time span when you weren't connecting the two. Was not. Yeah. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I was just I was trying to learn something new, and mm-hmm. and I whenever I'm trying to learn something, this this is my process as I immerse myself in it, mm-hmm. because I'm trying to get to those deeper motivations. Yes. As to I always feel like I'm back referencing podcasts, but um, but in what was our our episode four when we we're talking about you can't do it all and that's okay, mm-hmm. like I I was trying to find the root of what uh, I enjoyed or didn't enjoy what worked or didn't work for me in these in practice and so when i was studying ashtanga when i was getting into doing that um really regularly it i was trying to get to the root of it for for me the truth of it for me at that time in my life and at that time it was it was not a uh, a pleasant truth no it was a painful can barely walk truth because Mm -hmm. that much focus on external rotation um and with my history of having back spasms my whole life uh, forward it was folding forward and external rotation. folding was, yeah, and external rotation was just very, very and challenging. Intense repetition. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I just remember, because I'd always teach in the evenings, and so I'd practice in the mornings, mm-hmm. as you do, and that I would like have to just sit and like lay down. Recover all day. All day. Mm-hmm. And like barely be able to walk for my classes. Mm-hmm. And just be in pain. Well, I think this is exactly kind of to the next point when you're trying to find out what yoga actually works for you, right? It's like, Firstly, in lining your intention and action. Why are you coming to practice? Like, what are you looking for out of it? And trying to find something that feels in line with that first. And then immersing yourself in that. Because truly, if you had gone to just one Ashtanga Mysore class and been like, nah, not for me, 
obviously no one wants you to get hurt for the sake of self-research, but it is part of this self-discovery path of why doesn't this work for me? Or why does this work for me? So it's figuring out your why's and your why's not. Not just, this is slow, I'm not used to yoga. Yeah, but truly, this is hard. I, I don't done, like it. I haven't done anything in a while and that was hard. Or mm-hmm. I was uncomfortable because it was new. Mm-hmm. It was weird to go to that studio because I didn't know anyone. Those are all valid feelings, but that's not really the root of why or why not with a practice. Mm-hmm. That is a reaction that we're trying to yeah. figure out and work through. And it's new is a reaction we have to everything. It's not a reason to not continue something. Yes. But the true why or why not, like for you, why or why not for Ashtanga was it just did not work for your body. Mm-hmm. It truly, the practice is not designed for the way your mechanics work. It's not optimal. Yeah. No, I mean, 100% it is not. Mm-hmm. I mean, even recently when I was in Milan, I, um, I took an Ashtanga class fresh off the plane. I remember you texted me afterwards. Yeah. Fell asleep during some of the folds. <laughs> a little longer than five breaths, a little jet legs. <laughs> and then I'd wake back up, do uh, pick up, press the headstand, and then come back through. And then, Take like, another micro sleep. <laughs> another micro sleep. I took like probably 15 or 20 micro sleeps in this class. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was a totally fun experience, but it just it was due to the jet lag. But that's not probably the, the practice. first time you've done Ashtanga again in a long time. Definitely a long time. I think I probably do it once once a year or so it comes mm-hmm. it comes around and where that's like the practice and mm-hmm. again like i know what to expect from it because i know remember the sequence enough yeah um that really i can get a lot of value out of the practice but it's definitely not something i would do full force and and also like sequentially there's a few things especially for newer people um that i think are just very very challenging that aren't even flexibility based but just for us for example in in the way we teach and practice, we really focus on patterning. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things in Ashtanga to me that create very, very bad patterns un- yes. unless you are very diligent. Well, they be they create just do it patterns. Yes. Which are, this is the pose, just do it. Mm-hmm. And so your body will, you tell it to do something, and it's like, well, okay, let's just do it. And so it tries to get there by any means possible, mm-hmm. which is not a way that we create healthy not, functional patterns. It's, it's how we learn to, yeah, I just think it's the way that we end up reaching and focusing on, on aesthetics yes. and accomplishment rather than the process. Mm-hmm. And so there are some things in the, in the series that kind of facilitate that no matter what, yes. especially because the process is do this pose, get the next pose, do this pose, get the next pose. We kind of, as humans, I think automatically will ourselves there. I think it's, it just becomes the gold star system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that can happen in many forms of practice, not totally. just Ashtanga, but just mm-hmm. like the, oh, like, let me get to the next phase, let me get to the next phase, what's let me get to the next thing? phase, what's the next, what's next? And it's like, oh, no, just just, like, just be where you are and be, be part of that process. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the hardest lessons to learn. It's really hard. But the more you learn to love the process and immerse yourself in the process, mm-hmm. the more you're going to get out of the experience and the more joy you're going to have in your practice. And that's like the, like the number one thing for me is like, why I practice yoga is because it gives me joy. Like, why do I do these things every day? Like, what's my motivation? Mm-hmm. It's because it, it brings me joy. It brings me happiness. Like, I am happy because I'm doing these things. It's a gift in my life, mm-hmm. you know? Which is a good reason. And it, that might not reason. be everyone's reason. Mm-hmm. Some people use the practice to help them cope with less joy, right? Mm-hmm. Or to be okay with discomfort, things like that, to sit through through the Completely. difficult stuff. But that's what you got to figure out is why do you come to your mat or why are you trying to find your mat? Especially if you're new to the practice, why am I seeking this out? Yeah. Why does this feel like something I'm compelled to do? And maybe it's because there's just a new studio down the street and you want to try it out. 
Trying to sweat. Trying to sweat. Trying to move. Trying to, trying to get a little more flexible. Your doctor said do some yoga. Trying to eliminate some back pain. Yeah. There's a million reasons why you might, but it's important to look at those reasons and then see if they line up with what practice you've actually immersed yourself in. Do they make sense? And is it following up on that? Are you getting the desired effect from it or are you getting an unexpected but equally desired effect? And, and again, really, you, you want to begin to allow yourself to use yoga for your benefit. I think that's kind of what we're getting towards here, where it's mm-hmm. like, if you are an avid runner, your yoga practice, unless you're trying to be like a hardcore yogi, should be more restorative in its nature. It should be more based on recovery, mm-hmm. right? More based on supplementing your primary activity. If you are really trying to immerse yourself into being like uh, a yogi, I guess. I mean, even though I think you can be a yogi and have a part, uh, a part-time practice, practice. A, a part-time practice, essentially. Um, but if you're trying to really dive deeper into the world of yoga asana and yoga spirituality and things like that, I think you know, giving yourself more full-on practices is, practices are part of that process. Yes, and just understanding how it affects you because it's okay to have parts of this practice be like Patrick said supplemental but it's also okay to drop all the way in and explore the different sides of it it's just going to require a different level of commitment and honesty with yourself about why you're practicing the more you're honest with yourself with your practice the easier it is again to get to that aligning your intention with your action Mm -hmm. right because again you only have so much energy and so much time in your day and you want to use your time wisely. So if you find yourself in a yoga class or a yoga room, that's not serving your intention, you're never going to leave there with the benefit that you're looking for because there's many different benefits to be receiving to gain. So the more that you can find the space that serves you, um, I think the more you'll actually get out of the practice. Well, yeah. And seeing the practice also as a two way street, right? Because the, the practice, isn't inherently one that's built for self-care or self-betterment or our ideas of becoming a uh, happier, healthier person. Those are parts of the practice, but they're not inherently the number one purpose of the yoga practice. I also think that they're, they are an evolved form of the Western yes, side of precisely, the precisely, precisely. They're what we associate with it most readily Yes. at this point in time and in this geographical location within this part of the industry or the world or the lifestyle. Yes. Absolutely. But they're not the only part of it. So if you're really diving into this practice, giving yourself the chance to see all the different sides of it rather than just just looking at it as a, a feel-good thing. Because it's not just about feeling good. It's about this journey of exploration, among other things. But that's not always just to feel good. But all the marketing I see on the internet is somebody peacefully sitting in lotus pose, and they are so healthy. And they are, and they said love and light. Yeah. And you were like, yes. 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 That is what I'm seeking. And again, probably in a rudimentary baseline root level, we are all seeking love. We are all seeking light. We are all seeking companionship. So of course, of course, of course, of course, that stuff is there. But you really want to uh, tap into an awareness and understanding that, that, that that's also part of the marketing of many yes, sides of the practice. Absolutely. And I think that um, you know, getting into 
more of the nuance allows you to create the type of love and light that you're really looking for, not just, you know, it's all sunshine and rainbows because it's sunshine and rainbows. Well, I think that, I mean, my interpretation of love and light and finding this holistic approach to it is that acknowledging that not everything is unicorns and rainbows. And I I think that we are, me personally, am a more, a person who is more at peace and able to serve others more effectively when I have a realistic view of myself and of the practice, when I don't put those expectations on it. Because if you expect every time you step on your mat or sit down for meditation or breath work for it to feel good and be easy, you are leading yourself down a path of disappointment. I mean, how many tough meditations have you had? A lot. What's what's your percentage of like good meditation versus tough meditation? Well, that's the thing is like, in, you know what I mean? in theory, every meditation is a good meditation because it's part of the process. Yes. But we get addicted to those really good ones mm-hmm. or that feel good and then we chase that. Oh, of course. And we think, oh, I'm going to get that feeling again. That's what your mind is doing. Yeah. Your mind is like programmed into, I mean, why do we crave it's a, sugar? It's a positive feedback loop. Yeah, you know. Feels you, good, want to do it again. Yeah. And it's the same Run with the, it back. It's the same with the practice, right? Oh, felt good, want to do that again. But it's not going to feel like that every time. It's not going to feel the same every time. But that's the exploration. That's why we do it as a daily practice. Is because that's what we're looking for is to catch up on those nuances and that self-study every single time. So if we expect it to always be the same or always make us feel equally as good, that that's the same as like a drug addict always looking for the same high mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And that's not really svadhyaya. It's not really self-study if our expectations are to always achieve the same level of bliss when we practice because it's just not the point, nor is it an expectation that is in any way rational. Yeah. And exactly. It's because yoga is a self-studied practice. Mm-hmm. Like Even though the, the common classroom experience is an external experience, yes. the journey through the asana is an internal mm-hmm. self-study, right? And so often we step away from that because you get immersed in all the energy that's around you or if you're practicing at home you're trying to follow the video or you're trying to think of the thing you're going to do next Mm -hmm. and it doesn't it can move away from that studying that learning that growth and i think that's one of the biggest things to look for in the practice right is giving yourself the opportunity to have those experiences of growth but like all things with growth there's an ebb and flow to to the growth right mm-hmm. like it's so common you know it's not just a straight line up right yes. it's you know it's a staircase and it's not even exponential growth yeah. it's it's an ebb and flow it's an ebb and flow it's because because again like with all study like you maybe you're growing physically but you're not growing mentally or spiritually maybe the times you're growing mentally or spiritually you're not really growing physically and it is just this this balance and this ever-changing flow of really energy and i think one of the things that calls me to yoga so much is because it's it's way more of a three-pronged system in terms of the physical mental spiritual Mm -hmm. and it it gives you the opportunity to grow in many ways whereas like something just physical i mean i'm in my 30s right so i'm past my physical peak yeah like your quote-unquote prime my my athletic prime again my athletic prime was when i was in my early 20s dunking right like like fit like running uh like a four six forty like that's my those are like my athletic peaks right Mm -hmm. that's when i was in my physical prime in terms of like how fast I could move, how high I could jump, mm-hmm. how much strength I had, yes. right? And so what I love about yoga now is it's different because it's not just based on those kinds of things. There's this based on, um, you know, how am I interacting in our relationship? How am I um, 
communicating with people in my world? How am I um, helping others? You know, there's how am I? How do I feel about myself? Because mm-hmm. again, like now, I feel better about myself than I did when I was at my quote unquote athletic prime. Yes, there was not. There wasn't a true you, link between your athletic prime and your mental prime, no, or your athletic health and your mental health. I was actually morbidly depressed. Yeah, that's what morbidly I mean. depressed. Yeah. And so the, there's not. It's not a direct correlation. That's what we're trying to figure out and observe through this practice. And usually it first comes through observation of asana, breath, or our mind through meditation, right? Somewhere in those those prongs again. But we start to notice those nuances. And it's why I think when you're trying to find a practice that works for you, this idea of immersing yourself is so important. Because the observation can't be done as acutely, I don't think, if you're always doing something new. It if you're trying... Be every different class, every different style, you've tried one of each in two weeks and now you think you like this one. I just don't think that's enough space for your brain, for your breath, for your body to really actually pay attention. I completely It's too much, it's sensory overload. Mm -hmm. So finding something that is within the reasonable realm of what you're looking for in this practice or what you think you're looking for and then sitting in the pocket for a little bit to the best of your ability and to your, your physical safety, you know, if something's not working, et cetera, et cetera. But so that you actually give yourself space to observe. Again, if you try something new, you're going to feel something new. Mm-hmm. Right? And that can be uh, distracting. Mm-hmm. And that can also be misguided. Yes. And again, you're just getting a ton of false positives flaring yeah. left, right, center all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Every new experience, you're just getting something new. The more that you immerse yourself into something, the more that newness starts to fade and you get you get into what it actually is. Yeah, you get into like the nitty gritty a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, you, you start to own the practice. It's like a, it's like a blanket, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You start to understand like how, like the comfortable parts of it, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not just like it's fresh, it's new, maybe it's a little bit stiff. It yeah. needs to be roughed up a bit, needs to have those good creases, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you gotta, you have to sit in it in order to give yourself space to actually observe, I think. And I believe that we're all a product of this like constant um, immediate feedback loop that we're used to these days. Yes. That it's easy to do one thing. Everything is so instant now. Yeah. And even with online classes, you're like, well, didn't like it. Stop. Look for a new one. It's like Netflix. You spend 45 minutes just scrolling, trying to make a decision. And then you go back to watch The Office again for the 50th time. Right? Like it's (laughs) like... Too much. It's too much stimulation for that your body. That show is just so good because they could never make they it. Could today. never make it again. But could it's never so it. so good. Yeah. But you you can't. If everything is new, there is not enough room in your brain, in your body, to really observe the sensations because I just don't think you have enough information yet. So, for me, that would be my my biggest tip is to try to align your intention and your action, and then immerse yourself in whatever process you think is the right path to start with and then to pay attention and then change change. but to start to notice your whys your why nots why does this work for me why doesn't this work for me in what instance does it in what instance doesn't it does this work better at this time of day or at this studio what do i like about this do i like the quiet and the breath work but i don't like the this and that do i like the music and the energy but I don't like this. And all of that is going to give you more information towards a path that might fit best for you at this time in your life. Yeah, so you can be part of the process of learning about yourself mm-hmm. and growth. Absolutely. Because again, that's just, that's what we're looking for here. Like love is part of growth. 
but also so is struggle, mm-hmm. right? And so is overcoming, and so is building confidence, and so is becoming um, more aware of yourself, the positives and the negatives. I think that it's easy to think, oh, as I grow as a person, I'm only going to be a better person. Yeah. You know, like, no, like as you grow as a person, hopefully you're just identifying when you're a dick. Yes, you're, you're more, have more clarity. Yes, around like, oh, I'm being, in these situations. Oh, look at that. I was kind of an asshole I'm there. Kind of that was interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, what was it? What, what made me an asshole there that didn't somewhere else? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a big observation. That's the real gold right there, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. But you don't get there without going through the process. Right? Absolutely. So find practices, try a number of them out. Begin to stick with one. Really get in there. Mm-hmm. Like feel it. Begin to have that human experience of yoga in that form. Mm-hmm. And then learn what about that resonates with you or doesn't. And then begin to just keep gathering information. Yeah, and, and you can and course correct and, and shift and change oh, your all mind the time. all the time. But it's I think that gathering information is step one rather than just that quick reactionary effect. Yeah. That that instant like, oh no, oh yes, unless there's a real gut check reason. It's like, what's our reaction versus what's reality? Yeah. And so you're, you're be, slowly beginning to tap in more and more. And then you're actually part of your yoga practice because you're becoming part of that journey. You're, mm-hmm. you're more ingrained and more immersed in it. So, um, you know, things to really think about and finding the yoga that works for you. Because, again, I think we say this all the time and we probably said it in this podcast twice. But <laughs> when you find the right yoga practice that works for you, honest to God, it changes your life. And whether that's practicing with us, whether that's practicing with somebody else, whether that's practicing the most traditional form of yoga you can find mm-hmm. or the most yoga hit goat influenced Influence, beach whatever whatever right like there's a specific magic about this practice I, that I honestly believe that when the poses are put together in a proper way and it's the experience that you're looking for you start to tap into uh, a side of you that you really can't find in other places so it's worth the journey it's worth the journey that's a nice way to close it off. It's worth the journey. It's worth the journey. I like that. Um, as always, you guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Life in Commune. We hope you have an amazing day. If you like Game of Thrones, make sure to check out our last episode. <laughs> and if you we don't will... like Game of Thrones, skip the last episode. Or if you haven't finished it yet and you want to avoid spoilers, don't don't listen to it yet. But listen to it after because <laughs> you can hear all of our nerdy fan theories and how we think Game of Thrones can have narratives that play into real life and yada, yada, yada. But it's a definitely a fun episode to check out. Also, if you want to practice with us, uh, teacher training is February. Yes, February, February. in Seattle. February 1st through 16th. You can find us in Seattle at Commune Yoga for a 200-hour foundational training. Um, if you're looking for something earlier than that, we still have some spots left in our August inversion training. Also yeah. in Seattle at Commune Yoga, it's August 15th through 18th, and it's a 25-hour module that is applicable towards our 300-hour advanced program or towards your continuing education credits. And then lots of stuff in between. The 300-hour in Bali is sold out. Yeah. Yeah, as far as we know. Yes. Yeah. 300-hour in Bali is sold out, but we do have workshops and smaller modules coming up in Europe. Uh, Patrick will be teaching at the Scottish Yoga Conference at the end of September. We're doing a And you will be there. I will be there. In, in Dublin the- as well, the weekend after, in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and then in London. And the baby will be there too. Yep. So lots of places to catch us IRL um, and do that exploration on your mat with us. Yeah. We hope to see you soon or catch you on the next episode. Have an amazing day.